This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhouse along with you again this weekend as we join you from Cleveland, but not at the ballpark as we still wait to see if indeed there will be baseball this season. It appears to be getting closer, but still a lot of hurdles to cross, both health-wise and financially, to get things done and get a season going. But we continue to hear that a possibility, one of the rumors that, that you read most often, is that spring training might begin in a couple of weeks now, a spring training 2.0, so to speak, and then a regular season could begin as early as the the early weeks of July. So we'll see if all that transpires. Again, a lot of hurdles to be crossed, both health-wise with the coronavirus and then some other issues as well that, that everyone is working through to try and get baseball going once again. Certainly the players are getting it going, and we'll hear that from our guest on this week's show, Zach Plezak. And the Indian starting pitcher, happy to join us as part of a happy hour event that we had virtually earlier this week. So we'll do it a little bit differently on this week's edition of the show. And we'll explain how we'll do that when we come back after this short break on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Hi again, everybody. Tom Hamilton back with you along with the old Rosebud. We could be here a while, folks, so they want to pop an extra bowl of popcorn. First, Tigers are down 5-1 to one as they try to claw their way back into this one. Now the toss over, and he almost picked off Jones. Jones always goes back standing. He's going to get picked off here pretty soon. He has been close all weekend long going back standing and getting picked off. Usually when it's that close on several occasions, the, the base runner will change it up and, and maybe dive back in, but not so with Jones so far. Indians may want to challenge this. 
Nope. But it was close. My police act, really good pickoff move so far. He's already picked off two. Throw over and Jones back standing again. <laughs> it's like he's daring him. <laughs> he gets picked off and Ron Gardenhire will do more than noogie his head when he gets to the dugout. Throw over, got him! Well, that is idiotic base running by Jacoby Jones. You keep going back standing, you almost get picked off twice, and you get picked off a third attempt. Three times Plesak's picked off a base runner, and Ron Gardenhire has got to be ready to absolutely explode again. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you as we are presented by Progressive once again. And as we mentioned before the break, Zach Plesak will be our guest, Indian starting pitcher. And we had Zach as part of a virtual happy hour earlier this week. That's where uh, happy hour on Zoom was open to season ticket holders and group leaders. A lot of people associated with the Indians, and they had a chance to submit questions both uh, during the chat and also in advance. So if you hear during the course of this us mentioning some names and cities of fans who turned in questions, that's where that's coming from. But a lot of good questions, and we figured we'd let it run because it was a nice, relaxed atmosphere and a chance to catch up with Zach and learn a little bit more about his background and his rise to the big leagues, which last season in his rookie year led to 21 starts, an 8-6 and six record, an earned run average of 3.81, and he came into spring training this year in phenomenal shape and was throwing the ball as well as anybody on that Indian starting pitching staff. So uh, some good things coming for Zach Plesak, we think, once baseball begins. And as we began with Zach, we caught up with him while he was down in Florida and asked him what he's been up to during the shutdown. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm down in West West Palm Beach, Florida. I'm about to train here for a little while until I uh, get my way back up to Cleveland. And, uh, I mean, there's been rumblings the last couple of weeks. Are you starting to feel like maybe you can really begin to, to heat things up and, and have a goal in mind on when things might get started again? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to have the mindset, you know, that we're going to be playing and put a focus point on a date, you know, just work yourself with that mindset, you know, so just working towards something is what we've been doing. And I think, you know, we're as an organization, we're in a really good spot. I think our resources have helped everybody out enough to make sure we've gotten everything we need. And, you know, just to make, make sure we feel as good as we could have during this, this time. On a personal standpoint, you were throwing the ball as well as anybody in spring training. It seemed like you were as, as well prepared as any pitcher in camp. Uh, did that make it, even tougher to, to have to shut it down there and, and now wait around for a little while? Yeah, 100%. I was super pumped to just be feeling good in camp and just be wearing the, you know, the white jerseys, you know, you didn't get to wear because it was my first big league camp. So that was all, you know, in itself was a crazy experience and super fun. I was super excited to get the season going. Um, but, you know, just bottling those things up, how I felt is what, you know, I, I took into that, this grace period we've had. I've keying on some things I know that are going to make me great. You know, I just really worked on finding my key points and bottle up what was working for me in spring and just keep moving in a good direction. And, you know, I feel great now, so I'm excited. 
And such a big part of spring training is coming together as a team. And you were at that point in the spring where, where that was starting to happen, it seemed like. Uh, how have you and your teammates been able to, to stay in touch and continue to, to build some of that team camaraderie that, that can be so important over the course of the season? We'd have Zoom calls with the pitchers. I'm sure the hitters probably did too. Uh, different group meetings just kind of just to keep the conversation moving if we had any questions and just to run things by each other. Maybe what one guy was doing had him feeling good or, you know, what he's what he could become innovative with, you know, create his own workouts or his own throwing program. So we all have a group text and we send ideas and we all just, you know, shoot each other texts of what we're up to. And um, just, yeah, we keep, you know, the, the phone lines are always open and just staying in touch is, was an important part. We've done that. A couple more quick questions for Zach, and then we'll open it up to our fans uh, who are out there. And we have some questions that were sent in on email as well, but uh, for background for fans who don't know, uh, you went to Ball State and were having a great career there. And junior year is the big year for any college player because that's the year you can be drafted again by a major league team. And you had a couple of starts in that junior year and then had to shut it down, eventually had Tommy John surgery. Uh, what were some of the emotions you were going through at that time, knowing how big a year that could be in your career? It was an emotional year to say the least, you know, it was everything going great for me to start the year off, you know, then season comes along, get hurt. And it's like, suddenly I'm at rock bottom, you know, after everything was going great. Um, and then getting drafted brought me back up feeling great about myself. And, you know, since then I just really focused on keeping a good mindset, like focusing on the positive things that I can, control you know and just not having any negative thoughts creep in my head and can take over my my thoughts you know it's something I really committed to is just staying positive and continuing to to grow as a person myself you know I have so much to get better at and so much to learn and so much to experience and really just being present um living a day at a time really you know I know in the end if I just live every day like it's my last I should get everything I've ever wanted because I'm living every day with that, you know, type of energy. So, you know, really just focusing on positives and never get counting myself out, you know, and just focusing on getting better. And the Indians picked you in the 12th round as a junior. So you could have gone back for another year. Um, why did it make sense? And what was some of the advice that you got to sign instead of going back to college, but instead start your pro career, even though it was going to be a while before you could even throw a pitch? Yeah, well, at the time I was hitting in the lineup too. I was hitting in the five spot, um, contributing, and this was after I'd gotten hurt. So I was basically DHing, you know, and I had been a pitcher only, and then you know now I'm contributing as a hitter. So now it's like that's my value to the team, you know, because I'm I can't do it on the mound. So I had found out I had a partial tear in my UCL, and going into the draft, you know, I had to decide whether or not I wanted to get surgery because you get drafted, you go through a physical and they see any nicks or dinks in there, partial injury, anything, you know, they won't sign you because this is a bad investment piece for why would someone sign someone who's hurt, you know? So I knew that going into the draft and I had to make a decision if I wanted to stay and not get surgery and continue to hit for Ball State and finish that year out, you know, and what would be, me returning the next season because I wouldn't have gotten drafted, you know, with 
with the thing in my elbow, but I chose to get surgery. Um, I had an agent at the time, Joe Bick, uh, advised me to do that. And I knew I wanted to be a pitcher. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was just like deciding on what was going to be better for myself, you know, and which was a really difficult decision at times to make because it can, it can hurt other people's feelings. You know, sometimes you got to do what's best for you and it's not what's best for say everyone else. And, you know, as a baseball player, you're such a team player, you know, and it's hard. It was, that's why it was such a hard decision for me to make is to be selfish in that situation and look forward towards my career. Um, and so I, it's crazy to see how, how teams will draft guys who had gotten the surgery, but they won't sign a guy who hadn't gotten the surgery. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of crazy to, to see, but it makes sense. But, you know, thankfully the Indians took me in the 12th and I was blessed to be a part of their athletic training organization, man. And they really just took me under their wing and I followed every step of the way for the reps, the seconds, the minutes, everything, the polls. I did everything as how they wrote it out and it turned out to do me great in the end. The Indians have a great reputation for for bringing players back, pitchers back from injury. Uh, how aware of that were you uh, at the time that you were having to make these decisions and, and how good a process had, a, had what did that turn out to be for you? Yeah, I wasn't, you know, aware really to start. Thankfully I had a good, good advisor, but um, you know, just always trusting your gut, you know, believing, trusting your instinct is what I've, had to do a lot of, you know, and just um, keeping the right mindset, doing things for the right reason, you know, in the end, you know, it all, it all plays itself out. It all shuffles correctly. All right, Zach, let's, uh, let's get to some of our fans, season ticket holders and others who uh, submitted questions. And, but uh, this one came in from Edward Fetter from Stowe. Zach, what did you miss most or what have you missed most from uh, major league baseball since the shutdown? What's, what's really got you, uh, missing things. What's up, Edward? Uh, I'd say really just being around the teammates, you know, in the clubhouse, just being around the guys is something I've really missed. Obviously playing the game is, that's the one thing I want to be doing more than anything, you know, but I'd say competing and then being with the guys are two things I miss the most. All right, good one from uh, Edward from Still. Um, Nora Knock checks in. How are you staying ready and are there any concerns about injuries to you or maybe your, your teammates because of maybe a quicker start to the season than, than you're normally used to, if indeed the season starts on July the 1st? Yeah, there's always that, you know, that, that guess that, you know, people could, there's, there's a chance, you know, so, I'm, you know, the right mindset to start with. But what I've done to stay ready is I've traveled a couple of different places with people I know, my agents in Cincinnati, you know, Clevenger's in Santa Rosa. So I was with him to start and we were just hanging out, training, doing our thing, waiting on word, uh, you know, from the, from the MLB moved up to Cincinnati for a couple of weeks to my agent who had a, a weight room and some catchers to throw to and a really good setup. And then I had been away from my family, you know, for however long it was and they were needing some help at home. So I rode up to Northwest Indiana, hung out with them for a little bit, got to train there for a little bit too, up in Naperville. Illinois um and you know now I'm gearing back up to start facing some live hitters getting some more some more live at bats and I'll, I'm here in West Palm about to play some sim games and throw some bullpens and train for next week maybe 10 days 
try to follow up on that. You, you mentioned it during the college portion of our conversation, uh, getting to face live hitters. You ever turn it around and jump back in the box yourself and, and help other pitchers get ready by, by being that good hitter that you were in college? Yeah, no, I haven't. I'm not, I mean, I'm not stepping in the box in any of these sim games, but um, when I get a chance to step in the box, hopefully this season, I'm, I'm going to be swinging for the fence for sure. We'll take a short break here and then have more with Indian starting pitcher Zach Plesak after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Plesak's only at 82 pitches. He's a strength thrower. Throw to first, they got him picked off! Tagged out by Santana! Anderson just froze! He didn't move! And Plesak picked him off, and again, that athleticism of Zach Plesak is very evident. The two-strike delivery to Andrews. Swung on, grounded to second. Freeman backhanded, flipped to second one. Lindor across the bag, throwing, got him! An inning-ending double play, and that's big on this hot night. Lisak has another dominant inning. Toss to first, diving back Reyes. Out at first! A delayed call by Ben May. Reyes gets up and goes to the dugout. He goes, yep, you got me. Now the 2-2. Swung on, lifted in the air. Fairly deep right center, but playable. Center fielder makes the catch. What an outing by the kid. 111 pitches. He's getting a standing ovation coming to the third base dugout. It's stretch time at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. Jim Rosenhaus along with you this weekend. Zach Plesak also joining us, Indians starting pitcher out of Crown Point, Indiana, a second generation of sorts in the major leagues. His uncle Dan Plesak, a longtime outstanding reliever for several different teams, at times as a good closer, uh, among others, Milwaukee and the Chicago Cubs, teams that he pitched for during a long major league career, and at one point in time, a teammate of Indians manager Terry Francona. And when we caught up with Zach on our virtual happy hour, a Zoom call earlier this week, he talked about his relationship with his uncle Dan and how it has been extremely helpful during his baseball career. He was always my role model growing up, you know, someone I wanted to be like. He, I, my, my parents would tell me stories uh, where we'd be – watching his games wherever he was Chicago or in Arizona and you know all of these great names like Randy Johnson and Roger Clemens and different Hall of Famers you know walking by and we me and my brother would be so excited to go get my uncle Dan's autograph after the game and like we weren't going to see him you know we thought it was the coolest thing but um just growing up he was my role model um, I always look forward to seeing him just talking baseball and as I got to college he started being more of a mentor you know as it's cool as you know we've grown as I was young he was a role model and he still is today but how 
our relationship has just changed, you know, since I've gotten older and he's gotten older and experienced more things. And now I'm at the age where I can talk to him like a man and not a kid anymore. So it's, it's really cool. The dynamic where we can share ideas and just learn different things from each other. Like the advice he gives, uh, is, you know, it's not even really of how to be a better pitcher. It's more about how you carry yourself as a big leaguer and, you know, there like the responsibilities you have and how to be a good person and things like this that are, are long lasting, you know, life lasting. So um, he's definitely, you know, one, one of my role models and a mentor for me. And we talk all the time. Um, we're waiting to see each other as soon as this ends. And um, yeah, he's definitely blessed to have his, him as a resource. To follow up on that, I'm not sure if you had seen him in person before this, but when the Indians played the Mets last year in New York, I know he came and, and watched one of your bullpens. Yeah. He, I mean, he might have been the most excited person in the ballpark. Uh, yeah. Hours before the game began, because he was going to go watch you throw a bullpen. Was that the first time he had seen you in a, in a big league uniform? That was. I think. I think that was the first time he. He. I was so nervous when he was there. I don't even know why. It was just. I was trying to be too perfect, you know, and I was spiking balls in front of, in front of the catcher. But, uh, you know, he really hasn't had the chance to come watch me play much just because of his new career in MLB network and moving, you know, to the East coast and for him. Yeah. That was the first time we got to see each other at a ballpark and him watch me throw too. Let's go back to our email questions that came in uh, beforehand. Peggy Resar of Grafton. What is the most unusual thing you've done to pass time during the pandemic? Most unusual thing. <laughs> Uh, great question. I would probably say just the other weekend when I was, it was like raining outside and I was sick of being inside and some about like running around the rain as a kid was like always my favorite thing. And so I was with my buddies, we were at the lake house and we had, um, our chipping wedge in the backyard. All of us did, it was two on two. We lined up two buckets, probably like 30 yards apart. And we were chipping golf balls in the rain and in the mud, trying to score them in the bucket. Um, and I ended up taking the win, so it was fun. But that was probably the strangest, like, random, most random game we've done, I've done. There you go, folks. If you're looking for something to do on Memorial Day weekend, we've got put that one on the list. This, uh, a couple of people sent this one, and we'll go with Evan Klein of Vermillion and also Kenneth Capley in the chat room. Um, what do you think allows you to be so good at picking runners off? And for those who don't know, um, Zach, at least a half a dozen, maybe more, uh, pickoffs in his first major league season was tremendous at it. Uh, how did you become so good at that? What's the key? Uh, just, I think, you know, it's not trying to do too much when you're doing it. You know, I think obviously you want to be quick and you want to be smooth, but what I've learned is you need to be balanced and be in good positions. You don't want to be trying to move too quick and get the ball to the first and you'll be spiking it in the ground and be rolling up the first base line um, or you'll balk with your back foot. So what I just really focused in on is, efficient movement turn the feet put a good throw and if you do those things I mean you'll most likely get them out all right Mark Hazelwood wants to know where's your dog Lola come here Lola. <laughs> come here I woke her up oh, no. here she is hello Lola this is Lola now it's all coming together <laughs> yeah <laughs> how long have you had lola for since september so it's been yeah like nine months or so nice 
Um, yeah. Here, this might be a tough one to answer. David Sarazi of Willoughby wants to know who has the better fastball, you or Mike Clevenger? <laughs> I mean, he's got the faster fastball right now, but I'm definitely coming for 100. Uh, he knows I'm coming for him, too. It's, it's pretty close. What were you – what was the quickest you were at in spring training? Because it seemed like you were up in velocity quick. Yeah, I was like 97 or 98 was my top, I think. I was sitting probably five, six. I, yeah, four to six. Yeah, I felt good. All right, this is a good one from uh, Chris Murphy and Lorraine. And, again, we're talking to a three-sport star in high school. Is there any other sport you could play if there was no baseball right now? Um, I'd be playing golf or basketball. I love just hooping. It's a uh, – I I really fallen in love with golf the past year and a half really um so i really love playing golf and playing basketball and hooping was something i've always done growing up playing either 21 or pig or one-on-ones you know three on threes so i love playing basketball if i had to choose one as of right now i would say golf getting back to basketball you're a high school basketball player in indiana what was that experience like? Because that's a hotbed, right? Yeah, the Hoosier hysteria. It, I mean, it was – we had a lot of good competition. I've actually played in the biggest conference in Indiana for for sports. And, you know, we had a lot of great players, like, in my conference. Um, Glenn Robinson III, who won the dunk contest, went to Michigan. Um, Spike Albrecht was a kid who was not the point guard on Michigan who scored 17 points in the first half back when they were in the championship. Um, you know, Mitch McGarry and Gary Harris. There's so many guys that I played against who, you know, now are our guys in the NBA. So, so maybe kind of staying along those lines, Jeff Reckenback uh, wants to know, you made a great catch. I think you had to kind of tumble into foul ground against the Royals. And he wants to know, what did your teammates think about that when you got back to the dugout? <laughs> It, oh, they were completely in shock. I remember I watched the video of, of the replay, and if you look closely, you can see Jake Bowers, like, crack a smile as he's walking away. So it was definitely something they weren't expecting. And honestly, I didn't expect to do it either. I just trusted my instinct, you know, knew the shift was playing over off first base with a righty in the box. And um, I knew my catcher, he didn't get a, a good jump off the bat. And, you know, I was took the first step and I realized I was going to be the closest one to the ball. So I had to dive a little early because I didn't want to run into the fence and I caught the ball. I like, got the ground because I had to dive too early, but no, nah, it was, they were all, they were all super, super rattled about it. All right. Just to reset what's going on. If maybe you're just joining us late or, or popping in, uh, we have Indians pitcher Zach, please act with us. Zach with a really good uh, first season in the major leagues a year ago after being called up. Uh, about a month and a half or so in, and uh, he's joined us for our virtual happy hour brought to you by our friends at Jim Beam, the new sponsors of the Home Plate Club, and great to have them on board. Uh, Zach, tell us about I mean, your major league debut. You can't pick where that's going to be, but yours is at one of the iconic ballparks, Fenway Park in Boston. Uh, tell us about that night and, and all the things that that maybe were running through your mind on a night where weather was a factor and, and you're at Fenway against the Red Sox and, and yet you threw really well. It was, yeah, a whirlwind, really. You know, the 
the morning of, it was kind of rainy and gloomy and misty, and no one knew what was going to happen about the game. It was kind of cold. It was, you know, May, so Boston, it was still chilly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I couldn't have asked for a better stadium to have made my debut in. If, and, you know, you think about when you play, like, in the big leagues as a kid, it's like those are the type of parks that first come to mind, you know. So it was a dream come true, and, you know, that – that night before, I had a great dinner with my agent. Everyone was super, super nice um, at Morton's Steakhouse. And it was a great dinner night before. And then, yeah, the, the game, we ended up going through. I pitched like five and two-thirds. We ended up winning the game in the end of it. And, uh, yeah, I poured myself a nice glass of Jim Beam afterward. <laughs> that was a question on here. What's your favorite bourbon? I'm guessing that's one of the guys from, from Jim Beam put that one in there. So there's your answer. Uh, you, you know, it's it's interesting because you talk to different players when they first come up and almost to a man, they say how comfortable they are and, and how the other players on the team, the veteran players, help them along that path to, to feel comfortable and do the best they can in their debut or, or their first month in the big leagues. Uh, was it like that for you? And if so, who were some of the players or pitchers that, that really helped you settle in? Yeah, you know, at first it was it was more exciting and I was just kind of trying to take it all in and process, you know, and I ended up understanding that I actually had a big role. You know, I had a really big responsibility and I was filling a role as someone who, you know, to the Indians was as great as they get, as great as they come, you know, and so there was a point in time where there was even some controversy where people might have thought I was feeling comfortable and walking around like, you know, that not that I deserved to be there, but I had to hold a chip on my shoulder. I had to go out there and let my teammates be confident and see that I, I'm confident going out on the mound so that they feel confident behind me. Um, so there's definitely like some of that that happened after the beginning of, you know, me getting called up um, and until like we all got to really know each other. And that was before I knew anyone, you know, I didn't know anyone on the big league um, coaching staff or even, I didn't know really anyone on the roster besides, you know, Beavs and Greg Allen. And, um, you know, the, so it was really unfamiliar territory for me to come into. And I was just trying to play baseball and win games. And, you know, it really came down to the leaders who, you know, in the middle of the year, they were able to take me under their wing, like, Clev and like Beaver and Carrasco and um, you know just all all those guys, man. They Lindor. I mean, there is there's so much pick me up, man, from those guys. You know, when they realized we were just trying to win games, you know, and that's all we want to do. And now it's like all those guys are my best friends, and I just met them last year. So it's a really cool, really cool culture that we have, and it's super family feeling you know and um yeah I feel blessed to be a part of a clubhouse like that because there's guys I've talked to who who tell me that you won't ever get that in your whole big league career or maybe only one time so you know this is a special a special culture that I feel a part of and you know we're going to continue to grow together and for fans who don't know Zach referring to how he really didn't know anybody he was not in major league spring training camp prior to last season he was in minor league camp so he truly did not have a chance to get to know a lot of his future teammates. And, and when he was called up in May, it was meeting a lot of new people for the first time. Hey, Jim Hansberger wants to know, does spring training, this past spring training, 
Does it seem like a long time ago now? <laughs> it kind of does, man. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, time's been moving quick, though. I feel like I've kept myself busy. Um, you know, it's not foreign. Everything's, everything's all the stuff we do playing baseball is still there. But, you know, can't. Yeah, that does seem like it was a long time ago. Um, but, you know, time's been moving quick. And hopefully it'll move quicker as, you know, hopefully the season approaches. Sal Chabon uh, checks in. He said, we learned last week that uh, Sal's a regular at happy hour. That's good. Like <laughs> we learned uh, that Brad Hand is a four handicap at golf. Uh, where are you? I know you mentioned you like playing a lot. Uh, can yeah. you keep up with him? And have you played with him before? I haven't played with him. I'll shoot like mid 80s right now, man. I'm just really getting going. I'm shooting like bogey golf. Um, I'll get some birdies, maybe, you know, some pars in there. Um, I won't be double bogeying, you know, so once we clean up the putting game, I think my strokes will shorten up a lot. Um, but yeah, just getting like the right, the right plays and understanding like approaches of when you can go for it and not go for it. Cause I'm usually just a go for it all the time. So, uh, and then I'm playing out of the rough or the sand. So, um, but I've learned a lot and I've gotten a lot better in the past, you know, year. And there's, there's some good guys that, on that team like Clifford is really good yeah Brad Hand's good um who else is really good yeah I know there's a few guys that are really, going are pretty good they, they crush them Dan Otero was pretty good I think if I remember okay, yeah if uh, uh Kevin checks in Kevin Kinder if you had one batter to stare down and pitch to who would it be in the major leagues oh man one batter I would stare down and pitch to it would be Man, that's a that's a good question. I'm not much of a starer, really, but I would stare. <laughs> I would stare down at Fran Mills just because he's the biggest dude in like the whole league. So I would look tough if I stared at Fran Mills. <laughs> he is a big man. That's for yeah. a gentle giant, though, right? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> All right, favorite stadium to play in? That's a tough question, man. I my favorite. I I mean. My favorite was Yankee Stadium. I think that was just a cool experience for me. Um, it's like a three-way tie, but I think it, my three-way tie would be the Yankees and then uh, Boston and then um, Progressive. But there's something about the Yankee Stadium tradition that like had me super, super, you know, struck when I when I had got there. Well, we'll stop it right there and thank Zach Plesak for stopping by as part of that virtual happy hour and uh, hope you enjoyed that. Some great commentary from Zach on uh, various facets of his career and getting indoctrinated into the big leagues as a rookie last year with great success. A lot of fun to join him and uh, man, he seems poised for a big second season in the big leagues this year if and when we do get going. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. folks this has got a chance to be a classic ending welcome back to tribe talk presented by progressive jim rosenhouse back with you for our final segment couple of programming reminders you can hear our show each week on the indians radio network you can also find it on indians.com as a podcast and wherever you download your podcast that's where all the archived editions are as well and don't forget to continue if you're listening to this on Memorial Day weekend, 
We are concluding a look back at the Indians' 22-game win streak, the record-setting 22-game win streak from the 2017 season. The rebroadcasts of those games are taking place nightly at 7 o'clock on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network and the Indians.com. And we're down to the last couple of games. Game number 22, the finale of the streak, which was as entertaining a game as you'll hear. That will air on Memorial Day Monday night at 7 p.m. So hopefully you can tune in for that and also tune in to a podcast surrounding that with great interviews from a lot of the different players and coaches involved. It's called The Streak. And in the last couple of editions of that podcast, Tom Hamilton has a great conversation with Jay Bruce, who proved to be a hero in game number 22. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks, as always, to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show. We'll join you next week for another edition of Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive. I'm Jim Rosenhouse. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.